0: Welcome to Tech Whisperers, the podcast that takes you inside the playbook of the world's best digital leaders. This is a show for digital and business leaders who are passionate about learning from the industry shapers and market makers. Join your host, Dan Roberts, as he unpacks the unique stories, leadership philosophies, and answer the call moments that define and differentiate the best leaders of our day. Our goal is to help you gain an edge and move you beyond your comfort zone so that you are driving more impact and value for your team, your company, and your career. Let's get into the show and hear from another amazing tech whisperer.
1: Well, welcome back everyone. And thank you for joining me as we unpack the incredible journeys of two CXOs who are true industry leaders wearing multiple hats. Kim McEnroth, as many of you know, is the vice president global CIO of Textron a Fortune 302 multi-industry company with 33,000 employees worldwide. Tim's global IT organization is comprised of five business segment CIOs and shared services provided by the chief information security officer, the chief technology officer and the leader of enterprise business systems. Chris Nardecchia, many of you know, wears multiple C-level hats, including the chief digital and information officer at Rockwell Automation which is the world's largest pure play industrial automation and IOT company. Chris is a transformer and a teacher. He's also a super connector and a ci 100 award winner. So Chris and Kim, I've never met before this podcast and you're gonna see why I brought them together given their shared journeys, their shared leadership philosophies and just how they show up in pretty special ways. And they both have amazing answer the call moments, including involving their CEOs. Chris, I wanted you to kick us off by sharing your CEO's ask in terms of the different hats that you wear today. Take it away, Chris. Thanks, Dan, and Happy New Year to you, Kim, and all your listeners.
2: I think there's three primary aspects to my role. First is the traditional CIO role of managing the strategy and operations of the technical infrastructure. Transactional systems and security across the organization. Second is a transformational role that's really centered around three pillars. These include reinventing our product from hardware with embedded software to outcomes and experiences. The second pillar is reimagining the customer experience, taking an outside in approach. And then finally, the third pillar is realigning and digitizing our business model to drive as a service subscription and annual recurring revenue. This involves redesigning all of our internal processes, interactions with customers, our organizational structures, talent, and product offerings. Finally, the role that I have has a component of supporting our customers on their digital journey, helping them think about their roadmaps and implementation approach. So it's a very fun job, Dan.
1: Yeah, you've got a lot of big things going on there, Chris. You're, you're the reason why we had to rebrand the podcast from CIO Whispers to Tech Whispers because these roles you play are just multidimensional, P&L-oriented, customer-focused and whatnot. So yeah, welcome and look forward to digging into, the, into that. And Kim, you've got many hats as well. And you had a big ask from your CEO not long ago that uh, was a big deal at Textron. So tell us
3: about that. So the ask that Dan is referring to, so my role at Textron reports up through the executive vice president and CFO, who has a really wide breadth of responsibilities in our organization. In January of 2021, I received that call asking me to join as a member of our executive leadership team. I really think this change is a result of a lot of different things. So Chris talked about the The day-to-day of IT, we've had strong financial performance, operational excellence, the topics of risk and cyber. uh, We all know the magnitude of those, but technology plays a role that's pervasive internally with our colleagues, externally through our customers' missions. I think we've done a nice job of really changing kind of our perspective. So we think about being business leaders first. Technology professionals second being outcome results driven. And I'm really proud of the team. So they've had strong performance and impact, and that makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, Kim, you know, I've pointed out in past episodes how those, those answer the call moments are huge, exciting, but it's the end of the process, right? It's a lagging indicator. Can you look back at maybe some of the leading indicators? What are some of the things that you and your team have done to change the narrative? Why you got the call in the first place?
3: So it's hard to believe, but I've been in this role four and a half years now. It's gone by quickly. The first thing that I did was got out there and got on the road. So we're a highly distributed organization. It's important to sit face to face with our leaders, ask them each four questions. How did you get here? What are your strategic priorities? How can I help? And what's the feedback for me and my organization? And so they really gave me that gift of feedback. They shared the challenges so I better understood them. It increased the relationships I had. It built the foundation for new ones. But in those conversations, it was really important to discuss the leaders. Did we have the right people in the right roles that could make the impact that we needed? making sure the CIOs sit on those senior leadership teams that are different business segments. And then kind of at home as an organization, we doubled down. So talent, cyber, operations, getting out, you know, underperforming suppliers, leveraging capabilities, working on more impactful projects. And it was really that mindset of being better today than we were yesterday and building that brand quietly um, over time. So my biggest favorite moments are hearing about strategic business reviews or innovation awards where I know my team was a critical part of those successes. And I heard a phrase last year that I just love, humble swagger. And I thought that's my team.
1: I like that. I love that. Chris, your organization, you, you lead an organization that is very customer facing. You mentioned that in, in your introduction, helping your customers win, helping your customers transform their businesses. What's the narrative? What's the press release? What's your humble swagger? <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if I had to boil it down,
2: I would say transforming or re, reinventing your business starts with the leadership. Um, so what I mean by that is there has to be conviction at the executive level on a consistent basis. As it's, all these transformations are a journey, it takes time and persistence. And Dan, you and we in the CI community, CIO community talk a lot about the seven C's, and these are all critical to getting started and maintaining progress. The culture, customer centricity, change management, collaboration, cultivating relationships, and communication are essential. And what I find most important is probably the communication and the consistency of that. And even though you're doing a lot, you feel like you're you're not doing enough. And, and if I may, Dan, I'd like to just kind of follow up on some of the, the insights that Kim gave, you know, as she started her role. I think it's really important in what she said about, you know, getting out there and talking to people. I, I took the same approach. When I started the role here at Rockwell and I found it very insightful to just go out and, you know, my three questions were, were a little bit different, I, but I still, you know, asked all the IT staff and all of my business peers and down in the organization is what's working well? What's not working so well? And what should I know that I might not know? And those, thing, those three things helped me informed. okay, what's the path forward? So I really liked the way that Kim approached it.
1: Yeah, the great James Dallas, who people know, award-winning CIO, he became a COO, retired, and now he's on five major boards. And James says there's nothing that gets the board's attention like a customer story, right? And you don't show up as the IT folks when you show up with a customer story like, like you two do. You know, Kim, one of the most overused buzzwords, phrases of 2022, again, was digital transformation. And you know, everyone talks about it. The numbers are staggering, right? The global spend, the failure rate. Chris has done a lot of really great research on that. But Kim, how are you thinking about in approaching transformation differently?
3: Well, first of all, Dan, we don't use the words digital or transformation. So there's a start there. But we really think about it as you know, our business strategy. What are the capabilities and outcomes that we're trying to drive. And, you know, Chris hit on a a critical part, which is uh, stakeholder engagement and communication. So it starts with having the right investments, the right priorities, where are you going to focus your time and attention, but making sure you have those really, really strong champions that you're fully embedded and engaged with them. It's also a team approach. So I would say that all of us have really good business cases and governance and PMO processes. We all do that really well, but it boils down to the group of folks that are executing. So are they in that integrated product team? Are they focusing beyond their day-to-day roles and responsibilities, high level of trust, ability to navigate ambiguity to make quick changes, as I like to say, walk through fire to get to the other side, to drive those outcomes. Are they committed? Are they tenacious? Um, Those are all the behaviors I see. And as I think about my organization this year, we're, we're gonna celebrate 100 years of being in business. That's a really big deal here this year. And we have the responsibilities to make sure that we're gonna have success right, for another 100 plus years. So, we have to exhibit those behaviors and come alongside others to make sure that they also know how to drive these initiatives.
1: That's amazing. Chris, last year, you and Rockwell Automation hosted a, a major industry event. You brought together a lot of your peers looking at digital transformation, how you're all approaching it differently. Can you speak to some of the, maybe some of the themes, the learnings, the takeaways from that event? Yeah, it, it was a
2: really interesting event, and, and it was a little bit, you know, self-serving <laughs> to myself because I was preparing our own transformation. And I wanted to understand like what works well, what doesn't work well, and you know why those statistics that you mentioned of failure, you know, persisted. So I got these leaders together, and we we discussed it as peers, about forty of us, and there were a few key themes that emerged, and interestingly. And maybe not unexpectedly, technology capabilities were not one of them. So there was uniform agreement that successful transformations require strong leadership conviction, talent and organizational alignment, a compelling vision of the future, so where are you going, bottoms up cross-functional engagement, so hearing from the people that are down in the trenches doing the work, uh, consistent communications, and a structured methodology that creates creates results in bite-sized chunks. So at agile implementation methodology, the day of, you know, five, six-year big ERP implementations and wait, you know, and trust us, you know, to see the results, those days are gone. So that's what emerged. In essence, it was organizational change, change management is critical, and that shouldn't be a surprise to us. So there was a lot of good discussions, though, in that, in those conversations Regarding the need for leaders to balance the perform and transform aspects of their roles, and it was apparent with everything coming at that group these days, including ESG, ESG supply chain, geopolitical
1: events. Achieving that right ba- that right balance is just an ongoing challenge. Yeah, well said. And uh, one of our mutual friends, Mike Seals from Hussman, uh, CEO from Hussman, was at that event and. He was just boasting about you know, the takeaways, the, the, the connections, the learning. Mike actually went off and got his PhD in this space because the the body of literature, the research was not robust enough, you know, to be able to lead this at a C-level pace and, and, and cadence. So yeah, big shout out to him to uh, to go and do that to you know inform himself. And Kim, I know that you both have big agendas for this year. Can you talk about some of the strategic imperatives you have for 2023?
3: Absolutely. We're excited about this year. A lot going on here. I'll just give an example of a customer-centric product and project we'll be working on this year. So we had a very recent win with the U.S. Army to deliver on the future long-range assault aircraft so that's an innovative program not just the platform but the software the ecosystem how we engage how we work together for the life cycle of that program so that's just one example of the type of work that we're doing here since we're so kind of industry specific with different business segments and areas and corporate functions and shared services what i do is i pull together my leadership team so the information management council and we set the strategic parties and the objectives that will give us the kind of the enterprise mission of what has to happen, but also the local level items that have to happen. And so we have four big strategic parties that encompasses everything. I would say succeed with people. So the complete talent lifecycle from recruiting to developing to retaining and engaging our team. Live secure which is all about our investments and capabilities and training around zero successful cyber attacks. Uh, Operational excellence or operate with excellence is not just about the business of IT, but are we fully leveraging our investments? and then grow our business. So customer-centric products and services, revenue-generating solutions, of course, profitable operations, and then one-team performance. So that is our global IT team, no matter where they sit working on these objectives. But it's also our supply chain, our ecosystem, which is so huge in uh, technology, and all of our stakeholders. And we go so far as to laminate them, Dan, send them out all over the world so that folks can keep them on their desk. And as they make those thousands of decisions and I've got mine right here that we're making it kind of in the parameters of the, of the vision that we've cast.
1: Well, Chris has talked about leading with conviction, being consistent, having a compelling vision, you know, and I always tease Kim for those who, uh, who haven't been with us on uh, camera before. I can, Hardly tell sometimes if she's the CHRO <laughs> or the CIO when she talks about succeeding with people because it's a, it's a real commitment for you, Kim. And I, I admire that. Chris, you've got a big agenda this year too. Can you talk about some of the big imperatives that you're your laser focus on? Our rallying
2: cry in, in IT is IT is the business and our business is IT. And that sets the foundation and the core tenets of our strategy, which are customer product and employee experience, and core business processes. And then underlying that, it's supported by three underlying capabilities of technical excellence, lifecycle management, talent and culture, and then trust and security. So a lot of similarities with Kim probably just said in different ways, but those are all aligned to where we we believe we're going as a business to support that. And a, a lot of what we're doing in the transformation is getting closer to the customer, redesigning our product, and, you know, recreating this operating model. So that's what these kind of support.
1: Chris, I want to come right back to you and, and have, have Kim talk about this too. But for many companies, data is a four-letter word. It's a big deal. Was, I had a couple of uh, amazing executive recruiters on recently, and they talked about CEOs hiring people for data. And it's like, what are you looking for? And they're like, anything. You know, what <laughs> we can get around data, but you've actually made a shift in the company. You've actually made it part of the DNA of your business. Can you talk about that transformation?
2: It's really core to the transformation I talked to at the beginning. It's underlying everything being this data-driven organization. I'm a firm believer in, you know, what I call a community of practice or community of support model where there's centralized governance and technical expertise with distributed domain expertise and data ownership. So it's a teach a data community how to fish model where we have some centralized ingestion processes and deep technical expertise on how to get the data cleansed and in the right context and then work closely with the distributed domain experts on clear definition of the problem and applying the right tools to solve the problem. So over time, the distributed community supports each other with solving problems, learns the processes and tools, and that is centrally governed, and then expands the overall capability of the community. So that's the concept. This has worked exceedingly well in our Power Apps community. We're following the same model for our more involved AI and ML applications, and as part of our transformation office, We're also leveraging customer market and product usage data to transform our interactions with customers and feature sets in our product offering. So this is underlying. And I believe that every company, whether they know it or not, is a data or information management company these days.
1: Well, I really admire how you've differentiated Rockwell Automation, you know, and in many ways, that being one of them. Kevin, anything you'd add to that in terms of how you're approaching this whole uh, data side of things?
3: I would absolutely agree with what Chris said, and we're doing that within our different business segments. What we added on top of that was a information analytics community of interest. So between all of our segments, those folks can share their roadmaps, their technologies, their vendors, their successes, and failures are just as important to learn from that. And talent, right? It's talent that could be mobile between our segments or work on different projects. So I would agree. And we just have that overlaid community between those businesses.
1: Yeah. So Kim, let's double click on that because, you know, I was teasing you before about succeeding with people is is not just a a nice mantra on the wall, right? It's how you lead. It's number one priority for you. What are some of the things you've done to differentiate Textron as a go-to employer for technology talent?
3: Yes. So, favorite topic. So, Succeed for People for me is really investing in the team to have technical, professional leadership capabilities to drive these outcomes. As I've already stated, it's recruiting through developing and retaining our team. We get or source a lot of our talent from our internship process and internship conversions. And we go all in on this, Dan. So, we We don't just show up at career fairs, but we really use data to look through the performance of schools, the types of schools and and programs that they have. And we join advisory boards. We embed ourselves with faculty. We talk on panels. We teach in classes. We engage student organizations and build the brand on campus. So we have folks reaching out to us throughout the year when they show up. And we've had in-person internships all through the pandemic safely. When they show up, it is intentional. It is work that will outlast uh, their summer internship with us. They have training, mentoring, leadership interaction. We pull all those U.S. folks together in person for a conference that includes a game of tech. We also have a leadership development program. We have co-ops going back into high school. We've opened up roles in the last couple of years for two-year degree professionals with the opportunity to finish their degree through tuition reimbursement. So all of this is a backdrop to our promote from within culture. So I get to stand up there and tell everyone I'm a product of this. I didn't join Textron as a college grad, but I've been able to move between functions, geographies, business unit, corporate, the individual development plans, career profiles. we have talent conversations ongoing, succession planning ongoing, engagement score monitoring events in inside and outside of the workforce, times to celebrate successes with a whole bunch of different processes to celebrate success. But at the end of the day, if every single human on my team finds joy, they find purpose, they understand that that investment that they're making in their career will equal growth opportunities, more impact over time than everything that we're doing has the outcome that I'm looking for.
1: That's, that's all you got, Kim? That's all you're doing? So, I mean, I wish you had a little more fire here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the uh, subtopics here, you, you're a student of the different generational aspects, Kim. We could spend a whole hour talking about it. Could you give us like the 30-second overview of what you're observing with the different generational aspects?
3: So I'll just pick on early career professionals to save time, but it's personal for me, not just because of the internship promote from within philosophy, but my daughter graduated in May of 2020 from high school. She's a college junior, so up close and personal. There's been a huge emotional intelligence impact through the pandemic. The good news is, and Dan, we've discussed it, IQ is said, EQ, you can be a lifelong learner and you can raise the bar. I love the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and we talk about that and we talk about how folks can improve. And in our organization, we give them opportunities kind of in their daily work life to close those gaps because that's so integral to their future success.
1: Yeah. It's a big part of our success as a profession, I think. And, you know, Chris, something you said earlier really rung rung home with me, the IT is the business and the business is IT. So to pull that off, your folks have got to show up different, right? What's different now when you think about pulling it off, making that part of how you operate? It it certainly is different.
2: At the essence of it is, I believe every company is or will become a software driven company. And, their products may not be software, but their dependency on software to grow and survive will be essential. So at Rockwell Automation, while IT is certainly an enabler of our business strategy, it's also an essential component of the overall company strategy. So we, we try to instill that into all the IT people. So, with the company strategy being bringing the connected enterprise to life for our customers. That's all about IT OT convergence. So it's right there in the name, (laughs) IT is critical to our business strategy. And so shifting the mindset of our IT community from managing the infrastructure and keeping our transactional systems operational to being embedded in the company strategy has been a journey. The mind mind shift started with the leadership and getting the right individuals in the right roles to reshape the organization then creating an IT strategy that focused on the organizational priorities and underlying IT capabilities that were needed, then redefining the skill sets and IT operating model, then hiring individuals with that profile that could help accelerate our transition. So everything that Kim talked about in kind of building the talent and succeeding with people, we have some of those elements. There's there's certainly things that I'd love to learn from Kim because she seems to have taken it to the next level. But that's kind of the rebuilding that we're doing in the organization. And, you know, in all honesty, we have mixed results. It's a hard slog to get people front facing in front of the customer and thinking in everything that they do in the minds of the customer and bring that outside in perspective into their daily life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so impressed with what you're both doing there. And, you know, Chris, uh, one of the things you you taught me and, and some experience you've had with neurodiverse groups. Talk about that audience as, a, as a, uh, an untapped resource. This has
2: been a little bit of a passion of mine, and I credit my team for kind of implementing it. When I looked around and when we look at the data of, is there enough talent there? You know, in the manufacturing world, the answer is no, right? If you look at manufacturing, there's going to be a 2 million person shortage by 2025. And, you know, how do you grow that? Well, you look at, you know, alternatives and there's untapped communities that while they may be a little bit more difficult to integrate into a corporate environment, we've taken on the task of bringing in experts that know how to deal with the neurodiverse community and they're teaching our managers how to manage in that kind of environment. So we believe there's opportunities to get great talent to do certain tasks in that community, as well as other communities like veterans. So we're tapping into all of these resources to get them in purposeful jobs that have a meaningful difference in our company. And we think it's just untapped resources.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, you both know that I'm a big uh, student of the CIOisms, right? Those great leadership expressions you all use. You've already use a number of them, even just intuitively today. Chris, one of the ones that you share with me is, uh, can you speak to hand in the bucket syndrome?
2: Yeah, I I use this with my, my leaders is that this is the concept that, you know, while your hand's in the bucket, the water level rises. And when you take it out, it goes back to normal. So that just means that leaders sometimes have to stay engaged more than they're comfortable or want to, to make sure that the changes stick. We've kind of seen this over and over. You, you get a program, you roll it out, you're doing the change management, you step away and everything goes back to the way it was. So that's just a, a, word, a term I use that um, just you know, keep engaged is long enough until the, the change sticks.
1: Well, this is all going back to some of these other themes you've shared, Chris, you know, the conviction, the consistency. As a profession, as leaders, we don't have that reputation, right? And so the hand comes out, Things go back to normal. We 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 teach our people over time to be cynical, right? That okay, just just sit it out. This, you know, this too shall pass. But when you're consistent like that, people start to realize, hey, this is how we operate now. And it becomes part of the culture, part of the DNA. Kim, one of yours is not maybe mathematically correct, but I get the concept. So one plus one equals three. So talk about that.
3: Yeah, and Chris, I'm stealing your phrase because I'm I'm going to use that in the future to explain that concept. So one plus one equals three. You know, I'm thinking of a specific person that gives me a hard time every single time I say that. Yes, I know how to do math, right? (laughs) Um, For me, it's really about building that network, leveraging your network, collaborating early and often, benchmarking with your peers, coming out with solutions that are exponentially better than what you would have thought of on your own. And I emphasize to my team, you know, Chris talked about it. There's folks in IT, believe it or not, that don't like to reach out and talk to other people, right? So emphasize to my team that we are... In multiple industries around the world. We have so many sites and so many different people that if you're not comfortable reaching outside of Textron, you can at least reach out to someone internally having a different experience from you. And you don't even have to sign an NDA, which is like a a bonus, right? So something we're we're working to instill in the culture.
1: You know, something I think you both believe in and speak to is, you know, there's a lot of pressure to run our businesses faster more speed more velocity but you're both proponents of the whole idea of go slow, go slow to go fast so chris you want to, you want to take that first
2: yeah i mean you know for for this and you know and i have to remind myself because of this all the time because i have a tendency to go take the hill before anyone even realizes there is a hill so this is all about making sure everyone's on board everyone understands where we're going everyone's had their input into what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, how we're going to organize around it. And what I found is if you get ahead of all that and get into implementation, you're going to have to back up. So I've just used this phrase and I've borrowed it from you know my own learnings of working with other great leaders, which is go slow to go fast. And it just reminds me to kind of do all those steps, bring others along, don't get too far out ahead before before you think of those things, or you're just going to back up and it'll take you longer.
1: Makes me think of another one. you can jump in here, Kim. It's, uh, what is it? We can go faster alone, but we go further together. Does that resonate, Kim?
3: I had a a leader that told me once, do it with people, not to people. And that really stuck. Uh, Like Chris, I was a go fast to go fast person. And so my leader long, long ago, called me into his office before the end of the day and said, Kim, you need to go slow to go fast. And right now you need to go home and you need to think about it. And so of course I'm griping all the way home that evening to myself in my car. But as I thought about it over the weekend and this big initiative that I was leading, all the things that Chris said resonated. And if I had taken each and every one of those steps, I wouldn't have had to be you know, hitting a brick wall and backing up. Which is exactly what was occurring to me, and with all of that, if people don't understand the mission and you don't win their hearts and minds, you're going to get to do stuff repeatedly.
1: Mark Brooks was on a while back. Mark, uh, CIO of Centene, a Fortune 25 company, and one of his expressions is a career is a terrible thing to waste. You know, you know, we have a lot of people who are C-level leaders who listen board members who list. We also have a lot of up-and-comers, mid-career mid folks. What would you say to them, Kim, first, and maybe Chris, around, around career, owning your career?
3: Oh my goodness. So I have a saying that says, go with the role that will scare you the most because that's where you will grow the most. And so be open to opportunities. Get out of your comfort zone. As I look Back through my career at Textron, we're, we're a company that has that forcing function. And I'm glad I took those um, big leaps of opportunity. Be mindful of what your aspirations are. Make sure you're a lifelong learner. Be intentional about growth opportunities. And as I tell my team, I usually have at least one growth opportunity a day in this role. And You know, be mindful of that. But along your career journey, I have a lot of folks that say, you know, it's a career ladder. How do I get to where you are? And I I say, that's not what it is. It's a career jungle gym. So you're going around the jungle gym and you're collecting experiences. Some of them are lateral. Some of them are vertical. But at the end of the day, they prepare you for that next step. And so again, it's back to being in incredibly intentional with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, Chris, how many times have you been have you felt out over your skis during your illustrious career, illustrious career, right? You've you didn't even start in IT, right? You you transitioned up into technology at some point, but it's a natural thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you you know, so <laughs> sometimes you just you you feel like a
2: a duck out of water, right, where you're trying to figure out things on the fly and the advice I give to people, along with what Kim said, which I think was great advice, is, is two things: manager peer relationships. Those are the ones that you're going to be managing some days. A lot of people are trying to manage up, right? Or, or they just are in their cocoon of their team and they think if they run the, the best little team there, they're going to be, you know, prepared to run cross-functionally. So I tell them the manager-peer group. The other thing I give advice on and and this is probably where I've been over my skis sometimes is there's a lot of bouncing balls on the you know in a company meaning there's a lot of things that are just hanging out there that no one's doing but when you see those those are opportunities to kind of pick up the ball, run it to the basket, get it in there, get it completed and if you do that consistently over time, you find that you're in a position that you know people will see that you're willing to kind of extend your boundaries if you do it in the right way and take care of some problems in the company that others weren't focused on because they either didn't have the interest or they were hard or whatever. So those are the two pieces of advice. And, you know, sometimes that has created situations where I've gotten over my skis or into situations that, you know, now I own it. I've got to kind of got to take it to the basket, right?
1: Yeah. Well, that goes back to our earlier conversation about those answer the call moments, right? We, you know, we know when the call comes, but it's all that stuff you did leading up to it that sets you up to get the call to be differentiated from the others. Speaking of differentiated, one of the fun things we do on the podcast is we have this Tech for Good scholarship program. And we like to gift a seat in the program, a nine-month leadership development program to your favorite nonprofit. And uh, we're, we're going to do a first here. We're going to do a twofer, right? We're going to have each of you gift a seat in this amazing program Kim, why don't you go first? Uh, Who comes to mind when you think of the many organizations that you're, you're actively involved in?
3: Yes, Dan, thank you for this opportunity. They're going to be absolutely thrilled. But my pick is the National Cryptologic Foundation. I have the privilege of serving on the board for the last several years. And they're very intentional with a subject that we all care greatly about, which is cyber, the future of kids that want to be in STEM and cyber fields. And so their first mission mission is educate. So educate starting back in primary school and get those folks interested. Demulate, which is having that national conversation about cyber-related topics. And then commemorate. And so there's a lot of folks that worked um, with the NSA and other organizations that served in silence that have done a lot for this country. And so it's important to recognize them. That's my, my group.
1: Yeah, thanks for your good work there. Thanks for making us aware of them. I was not aware of that organization. So we'll get them on our, our website and connect us so we can uh, get them plugged into that program. And Chris, you've got uh, several as well, but uh, who, who comes to mind first in the STEM space? Yeah, for, for me,
2: it's, it, it's uh, FIRST Robotics at FIRSTinspire.org. And this is, you know, the, or, an organization, international organization started by Dean Kamen. And at Rockwell Automation, we do a lot of work with Dean Kamen's Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute out in New Hampshire. And Dean Kamen's just a great guy. He's, you know, <laughs> if there's any person that's, you know, associated with STEM, it's him. So FIRST Robotics would be my choice, Dan.
1: I love it. Big fan of that program of Dean. I've actually been in Dean's house. Actually, house, I say that very humbly. It's it's significant. And having all the teams there have around the country as they kick off that competition, it's a pretty special thing. These kids are just inspired beyond belief. And his whole vision was to create a program that mimicked the popular sports, right? And to make it a fun competition and made science and, and technology really cool. So yeah, that's a great organization there in New Hampshire. So thank you for that. Well, thank you to both of you. We've kind of hit the uh the end of our time here. Everyone knows who listens to the podcast that we're going to continue the conversation. Next Thursday, we're going to publish a blog with more insights from Kim and Chris on CI.com. So check that out next Thursday. But thank you both so much. I uh, hope it was a good experience for you both. And I'm glad
3: to bring you both together. Yeah, thank you so much.
2: Kim, thank you for your insights. Uh, there's some key takeaways for me as well. So you can expect a call. <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Look forward to the conversation.
0: Developing a robust pipeline of future-ready IT leaders who know how to show up and engage differently is paramount to success today. If you would like to learn more about the Tech LX Leadership Development Program that Dan talks about in the podcast, we invite you to visit techwhisperers.net. Equip your workforce with a new mindset and skill set needed to maximize impact, increase engagement, and build a world-class talent magnet brand. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woollett & Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession.